This episode of the podcast is brought to you by every single local business and brand that you believe in. Go out and support them. I can't say that enough. I've said it over and over again, but I truly can't. It now is the time to support them more than ever. So go buy their products and then repost on social media and tag them. Or if you can't exactly purchase their products, like because you've been budgeting and things have been kind of tough or whatever the reason may be, well, go to their site, screenshot things you like, repost them, comment on their page, let them know you're out there, give them moral support, whatever you can do. It's free of charge. Just do that. And as you're going to hear this episode, unity can get us through so much. And that's what we need most at this time is unity. So go support your local businesses and brands. They'll appreciate it. You'll feel better. And we'll all get through this together. Okay, let's get into the episode now with my very special guest, Majestic Drama. He is a successful music producer. Um, Just a fascinating story. And nobody can have the opinions and views that he has without living the life that he has lived. Very important to see things through his eyes as he tells his stories. He's got one of the best Twitter accounts ever. So if you have not followed him, it's awesome. He's really funny and he's really honest on there. I enjoyed having him as a guest and hearing his perspective. Uh, So please, without any further delay, enjoy Majestic Drama. There we go. Rock and roll, man. Drama, thanks for doing this, man. This is awesome. Hey, no problem. Thank you for having me, Aaron. You probably have my favorite Twitter account of all time. <laughs> Thank you. I really appreciate it. So it yeah, what do you like about, about, about my account? I'm, I'm curious to kind of, you know. I like the – your humor is hilarious, first off. like, And the fact that I think some people don't always get it, what you're saying is funny. At the same yeah. time, and then um, and I re- like I appreciate that stuff. It makes me laugh. I look at it like, dude, that's hilarious. He just put that out there. That's so funny. Hey, you know, it's uh, I'm just uh, I just want to make the world a happy place. So it's a good thing that you find it, you know, very funny stuff. So. And then at the same time, like your honesty with other issues is like it's crazy. Like you put it out there, I'm going like, geez, that's. So your humor, I can't believe you say it. And then your honesty, I'm like, whoa, dude, this guy just keeps keeps going. And I guess what's so crazy about that is the industry that you are in, which is also fascinating, um, what you've kind of done from what I can tell is being independent, yes, making yes. beats and selling them. So you're selling right. to artists and you have this Twitter account that you go like totally off the rails over here. So like the way you can combine all these things, just be you. And make a business is fascinating. Thank you, man. I, I really appreciate the uh, the compliments. You know, I I just I just think uh, it's so important just to always be yourself. And uh, you know, usually a, a lot of artists and a lot of producers they sign these record contracts, and uh, the record labels kind of macro manage every little detail about them, right? To where they're doing things that just don't make them uh, comfortable, you know. So I feel like it's such a problem when you're doing something that's not you, that's not your uh, identity, right? Uh, you will hit a wall one day and then you won't know what to do, right? So I really believe in being yourself and being successful by yourself, right? By being yourself, right? So, yeah. So where are you from originally? 
Uh, originally, I'm from Senegal, Dakar, Senegal. So I moved to New York at the age of 14, and I finished uh, my high school years in uh, uh, New York. And uh, from then on, that's that's actually when I was in 10th grade, that's when I started making beats and just making music. And I was beat battling all the producers, and I was just making money at the age of 15, just beat battling all the producers. Uh, and then from then on, I just moved to Canada for university. And uh, from Canada, I came back to the U.S. to uh, pursue my music career. So you moved to Canada for any particular reason? You went to Canada to go to university? Uh, yeah, because my mother is actually Canadian, you know? My, my mother lives in uh, Winnipeg, so... You know, my dad is uh, a New Yorker. You know, he moved to New York in 1996. So, uh, so yeah, so my mother. No, oh, okay, right on, man, right on. So, that's kind of cool, man. You've got like all the crazy right, wildest. What's that? Uh, the, the connection is kind of slow. I was wondering if you can uh, hear me or see me. Yeah, I can hear you. Hold on. I'm going to pause it real quick. We're back. Easy enough. Smoother connection. Yes. Yeah, there we go. So you've got this crazy wild background. You've got like the Canadian side and, and did your mom always grow up? How did your mom and dad meet if they're like the two different separate places? Man, listen, um, so they met in Dakar, Senegal, right? And uh, my mom was working uh, with uh, the, the United Nations, right? And uh, my dad, uh, well, he's a computer scientist. He actually uh, studied in, uh, in Russia, right? So when he came back to, uh, to Senegal, they met, you know, because my mom used to tell me stories of how you know, my dad liked my mom and all, so, and uh, just telling me the little details. But then they got married in Senegal. They had me in Senegal. And um, and then on my, they, they divorced in 1990, right after I was born, right? So, and then in 1996, my dad just went on. He moved to New York. My mother, she moved to Canada in 2006, in 2006. So she became Canadian by uh, citizenship, and uh, my dad also American by citizenship. So in 2004, when I, uh, well, in 2004, my dad brought me to New York. So automatically, that that makes me American, right? Because when you come to the U.S. under the age of 18 and your parent is an American citizen, that makes you a, a citizen automatically. Nice. Yeah. So I, I guess you're still on the East Coast. Like, how did – so you say you start selling beats at, like, 15. And did yeah. you know that's what you wanted to do from that point right there? I'll be honest with you, you know, I, I I always had a big vision of how I wanted my life to be, right? And I just wanted to be in control of my own life, right? And uh, I just had an ear for music, you know, and uh, I was a big Kanye fan. It's actually Kanye that, you know, he motivated me to be a producer. 
I mean, the first time I watched Kanye, I was in uh, I was in Dakar, Senegal. I remember through through the wire came the music video, and I was watching. I was like, this man is incredible. This man is a is a genius. And then yeah, everything happened organically, and then I just got into music. So. What does it take? Like, what's your process? Like, you just make beats? Do you talk to people? Do you reach out to them? Like, how did it all begin? Like, when you first started making beats, did you just put it out there to people? Did you send tapes in? Like, how do you do this on your own? Because this is something where you would think you'd have to know people and run through channels and do all that good stuff. Right. Because when I first, you know, when I started taking it very seriously and just doing it as a career. It was in uh, 2000, like the end of 2010, right? So I posted my beats on SoundClick, right? Back then it was the biggest thing when it comes to beats and artists to get seen. Soldier Boy went viral on SoundClick and MySpace. So that was 2008. So 2010, the end of it, 2011, things just started picking up for me. People started buying the beats left and right, and the money was coming in. And I was like, yo, I want to be the best producer on this platform. You know, because I'm, I'm, a, I'm a competitive person by nature. I just love competition, you know. So I was like, I'm going to be the best guy on here, you know. And I was, being, I was number one on the charts because they have a chart on uh, SoundClick. I was number one, number one. I keep getting number one. And then these publishers from France, they heard the beats. They're like, this guy is incredible. We have to sign this guy. So I signed with those publishers. They connect me with the major artists in France, and I end up with a platinum record from France. That's awesome, man. Do you get like, so your beat goes on for somebody else, or is that your own music that you got the platinum record for? It's, it's my it's my beat, right? Because they were like, okay, can you send us a list of beats that we can play to all the artists? So I was like, no problem. So I send the beats, they play it to the artist, and they just pick one of the beats, and then they did the record. It was a summer record. I mean, 2011 was an incredible year. For somebody that started at the end of 2010, everything happened fast for me for uh, the following six months. And people calling me from Paris, my cousins, I have cousins in France. They're like, wow, they're playing the record everywhere in France. This is a hit record. That's so, that's So do you get the platinum, do you get a, like a platinum record too, as well as the artist or? Yes. Yes. You, you, uh, I get a plaque like the artist and that's, uh, a plaque is like a trophy to me. Like it's like a trophy, like I won, you know? So, you know, my goal when it comes to making music is to get the trophies. I want to get the trophy. I'm just competitive by nature. So, How, How's that work now with the internet and all of the, you know, the downloads and nobody's really buying records anymore? How's all that work? Um, it's always ways to uh, make the artists want to buy your product, right? Um, I always aim to be different, right? Um so I put I'm, I produce the beat. I send it to the songwriters, the singers. They do a top line. You know, they write on the records, and then I release it for the artists to just come and purchase it. When your product is that great, the artists will pay the money for it. 
Yeah, so, so you just put this stuff out there and they pay, like, now you've made your connections and, and they're buying beats from you and you just make beats and you just put them, do you put them up on your website? Do you send, Correct. like, when you make a new beat, do you send it out to people or they have to just, like, find it first and get it? Yeah, so on every single platform, there is a advertisement system set up there, right? So SoundClick, they have the banners. On uh, I'm also on uh, on BeatStars. I'm not sure if you watched uh, my BeatStars interview yesterday, but on BeatStars they have a system to where you can just pay for the ads and all, right? And when it comes to music, you have to pay to play. That's just how it is. You have to pay to play. If you want to be seen, you have to put money on the marketing, and uh, and that's just how things work. So for every single platform, I'm spending money on it. Even Instagram, sometimes I spend money on it. Facebook, I spend money on it. So you have to put it, put something in to get something out. I think that's the way with everything, though. You have to like, you have to have some skin in the game, you know, for it to mean yeah. something, for it to be worth something. Like if you got it given to you for free, then you wouldn't know the value of it. Exactly, but you know the. What's, what's interesting right now that I'm actually discovering is like on Twitter, for example, right? You can actually put yourself in a niche and you can benefit from that niche, right? And it started when I was promoting one of my records, right? And uh, I was like, let me just get into the meme market, you know, just do funny stuff and just get people laughing and just, you know, kind of provoke the the because uh, people are so emotional sometimes when it comes to racial things and I was like let me use that against them and just go viral so I went viral that route you know but as I evolve on Twitter I find that uh, it's, it's a political niche that's happening right especially following Zuby and all, I was like, okay, so th this is interesting. It's a lot of things that goes on in my mind, but I never share it when it comes to uh, political stuff, right? The whole democratic stuff, you know, conservative stuff, right? I'm like, okay, let me just speak my mind and see what happens, right? So uh, it's just Amer America, um, America, a lot of people are confused in America, right? Because of the media who they've been brainwashing people a lot. So me coming from an outside world and coming into America, I'm coming in with a clear head, right? I think clearer than the rest of the population, right? So I can clearly see what's wrong, what's happening, what's good that's happening, right? And honestly, it's always good to stay united. That's really my opinion, right? The media has this whole narrative that, oh, everybody's racist, racism is here. Uh, 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 everything is racism, but I can't really, I don't agree with that. It's, you have black millionaires and billionaires in, uh, in America. In a racist country, it's not possible. You have uh, senators who are black. If you go to a country like France, there is no black person inside the government. Nobody's black inside the government. 
And you have America, black people occupying all different type of positions. So where is the racism? I don't know. You know? I it's mean, a, are we talking about, well, what are we talking Are we talking about KKK? All right, we could talk about KKK. They're racist. All right, cool. But then we can talk about other groups on the other sides too, you know? Because uh, the Black Panther group, it was a very radical group also, you know? So on both sides, there's something that's not right going on, right? So, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, that's one thing that, that uh, in this whole situation, I'm like, I'm for injustice against innocent people all the way around. Like, whatever exactly. it is, it doesn't matter whether it's hey. calling somebody a name or whatever it is. That's that's kind of the way I feel like people are, like, to, to pigeonhole yourself kind of almost causes more division than it does the other thing. Right. Sorry, I had to close the door. My dog was... uh. <laughs> getting a little rowdy over there. Did you, did, well, yeah, you hear, get, did you hear him? No, I didn't, but we get dogs having special appearances all the time on the show, so it's okay. Man, my dog is just going crazy right now. But yeah, but yeah, I'm 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 a hundred percent with you. It's just being fair and just being nice to people of all colors, you know. I don't believe in separation because I think it's only gonna set us back than help us. You know, that's really my opinion. You know, I've, I have great friends of all races. You know, I don't, I, don't, I don't agree with separation, really. Well, you can speak to it more than even somebody like, like myself could or other people that have never traveled or gone out. And, like, because I, I've, I've said it, like, a bunch of times, the best education you can get is to travel and go see places and, like, actually spend time looking at other cultures and – other things like that, like it really changes your mind and perspective. Like it, you think it's one way, like growing up in the South in Texas, yeah. you think that everybody in the North is just like a Yankee and they're all in this category <laughs> over here. And then you go up there and you're like, dude, everybody's nice. They're awesome. This is cool. And you don't learn that unless you actually go out and visit those places. Yeah, it's very true. But I think the most important thing is when you travel, you actually willing to learn and actually just absorb for, like foreign culture, right? Because I've came across people who just travel and then they're like, um, I want to eat McDonald's. I'm like, you are in a whole new country. Why do you want to eat McDonald's? Oh, I don't want to try new things. Like, why don't you want to try new things? So, you know, people that kind of, you know, move that way, it's kind of hard for them to kind of learn something new, right? But yours is a whole other perspective because not only did you come from a different country, you right. came from a different country and then you started your own business at the same time. And I think I saw a tweet about how, like, your dad was like a self-made guy too or something like that. Like, he's done some pretty cool stuff. Man, listen, my dad... My dad works hard. He he's ha he he has worked so hard. Uh when he finished uh high school in Senegal, he was uh given the opportunity to go to Russia. Kiev, Russia. I'm talking about what year was that? Uh I forgot the year, but it was like probably in the nineteen sixties. Nineteen sixties, I believe. But, you know, he, he studied computer science in Kiev, Russia, and then ended up with an MBA, 
in uh, in business, right? So he came to he came back to synagogue. Uh, his his aspirations was to be a big CEO of a company, but uh, you know, but life is a little bit more complicated sometimes because uh, you know relationships with people is very important, right? You know, you gotta have good relationships with people. And it's the people that help you levitate and just go to the next level, right? So on that end, he kind of had a little bit of issue on that, you know, on that end. So that's when he moved to uh, America. He started working in the pharmacy. And, uh, you know, a computer scientist working in a pharmacy, he had to do something that he didn't like. So the job was difficult. He was very old. I think he was 47 years old when he moved to America, which is a very, you know, old age to move to a whole new country and start over. And then he went on to work for the New York State government after that. And now he's a senior engineer at the New York State government. So it's just working hard and just perseverance is very important in life, I think, right? Well, and... You said something really crazy back then. I mean, I dig all of that. It's kind of hard. Like, so you're the perseverance part, man, nothing and doing things that you don't like. That's a must. Like in order to get something, you got to go through a little bit of suck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I'll be honest with you. You, you have to sometimes. And on that end, I'll be honest. My dad is better than me on that end. Cause I'm, a, I'm the type of person to where, you know, I want to, I, I want to work smart. You know, it's like, I work smarter than hard, you know, it's just, uh, it's hard for me. To, it's hard for me to do things that I don't like. This is very difficult. Well, I'm not anybody. I, yeah, go ahead. No, well, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I thought like, so the, the thing I w- I'm wondering is how you stayed away from cancel culture type of things with the things that you put out there. Like you never give in, you never break, you keep, and you just keep throwing that out. And in the industry you're in, it's even like more magnified. Like you see any sort of pop star, rap star, whatever it is, you're going to see them go with wherever the narrative is going. Like whichever the populist way is there, that's where they're going to head because that's what people want to hear. They think they want to hear whatever you look kind, you look kind and compassionate whenever you do that too. So I understand what they're doing. Like I get that part, but I wonder how you've, kind of avoided it all the thing is this the problem with those artists is that when they started their career it wasn't based on uh political views and stuff right so they started making music that people like right so people really the fans didn't really know details about their views when it comes to politics and all they heard the music they liked it they supported the artist so once the artists start sharing all these things they have on their mind, that's when things start taking, you know, start going left. So that's where the problem starts. So if you, it's a lot of artists that start with just being honest and just telling the world how they feel and how they think sh- things should be. And they go on to just have their own fan base and their own niche. Zuby, for example, he has a diehard fan base. And that's what's important, in my opinion. Have a diehard fan base. 
all these artists, they just have uh, in the moment fans, right? Which means at any moment they can leave, they can lose the leverages and the fans and they just become nothing and people just forget about them, right? So you've kind of built this business off of just being honest and you said a niche fan base. Like you built yourself off of basically loyal loyalty and yeah, like honesty to this and people know where you stand. Like, Hey, if you like my beats, buy my beats. I mean, we're not here for political stuff. We're here for beats. Right. Right. And, and you know, it's just, uh, the, 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 the Twitter world is, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a different world, right. To where, you can build your own fan base. You can be who you want to be. You know, like the sky is not the limit. It's just the view, right? So at anybody at at my stage, I can actually do that. And being a music producer kind of helps me too, I'll be honest. If you're an artist and you're a rapper or a singer, it's very difficult to be as vocal as I am. You know, like, I mean, you, you could take a look at, you know, people that just goes on and blow up and get to these, you know, big level of successes. You know, they start canceling these people because back in the days they used to, they used to post these, these, you know, opinions that just goes against the culture. It's like, oh, we have to cancel this guy. We have to cancel him. We have to cancel him. We have to cancel him. But if you take a look at the producers, the producers don't suffer those type of treatments. Because, you know, people, you know, most of the fans, they just care about the artists. You know, the producers, you know, they kind of get away with certain things. So I'm kind of lucky, right? <laughs> kind of, but you've also kind of branded yourself anyway, which I think is fascinating. Like, it's you've branded yourself as a music producer, so behind the scenes, but then you've also branded yourself as this, like, like drama is a thing on Twitter, and people don't necessarily always realize that you make music. They just think, here's this right. crazy guy on Twitter. <laughs> Man, listen, um, I think, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a difference, like I said, between, uh, oh, I like this guy for being himself. I like him as a person versus, oh, I like this artist's music. I just like his music. But then when you get to know the artist, like, I don't really like them, you know? So I think it's better when people start out liking you as a person and who you are versus when they start liking you for your product. It's just your product. We don't want to hear anything else. Because I, I think on one end, you have freedom to be yourself. On the other end, you no longer have freedom because you are known for your product, right? Yeah. Yeah, so... Is it nice? Like, you don't have any employees, do you? It's just you? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just me. It's just me. So it's just you. So you have the freedom of just being able to, like, go off and be you, which I think is, is great. Like, you said earlier that you didn't – you wanted to make your own path and, like, you wanted to be – like, you didn't want anybody kind of telling you what to do. You kind of want to do your own thing from the beginning. Yeah. So, yeah, like – was it always a pathway of I'm, I'm doing this on my own so I can be free and I don't have to like 
you know, have these other people around and I want to find something I can do on my own, make some money and I'm the only one responsible. Yeah. Aaron, you, you got it. You got it down pat. But listen, if you, um, you know, <laughs> the, the cancel culture, they only attack people who are in the pop industry or the hip hop industry. You never hear anybody getting canceled while doing country music. Why do you think that is, Aaron? <laughs> Why do you think that is? That is an interesting one that I have not ever really thought about. Nobody doing country music has been canceled. They can't be canceled because the fan base, they don't care about those intricate details. And it don't even matter what comes out, they'll probably support it. So the hip-hop fan base, hip-hop is such a shock culture business. And um, the fan base, they're they nasty. they just nasty. You know, because, like, um, we're talking about the whole, uh, it's actually black. Like, I don't want to use the skin color thing, but it's like black people in America feel like if you don't agree with us, we just going to stop messing with you. And I feel like it's very radical. It's such a radical thing. I think you should allow people to just be themselves, you know, to where the other, you know, the country industry is like, you being yourself, you're making good music, your fan base love you, and you can speak your mind, and nobody's giving you any type of, you know, difficulties, right? But I mean, to play devil's advocate, and that's all I'm doing right here with this, is there's a lot of people that might say that the only reason the fan base is like that is because it's white. Whereas in hip-hop and in R&B, I mean, you have everybody in that. Like, everybody. There's not a single person. If there's anything that's not racist, it's hip-hop. Because everybody listens to it, jams to it. Like, I have been since I was little. You know what I mean? Like. Right. It's right. part of, it's part of culture. Like it's the biggest music. There's nothing bigger. Like punk rock used to be big for a while. Nope. You know, country is big. Country's gigantic, but man, hip hop is like another level. Yeah. Cause, cause it's, it's, it's a shock culture business. So anytime it's, it's every day is a new gimmick. It's, it's a lot of gimmicks going on. So it keeps people entertained. People want to be entertained. So it's like little baby dropped a song a few days ago talking about black like the Black Lives Matter movement and stuff like that. He ended up with seven million views on YouTube. Six Nine drops a music video with Nicki Minaj. He ends up with a hundred million views. So it's like, oh, what's going on? Oh, everybody's mad. Oh, why nobody's watching this? They're watching this Mexican kid goof around. People want to be entertained. They want to be entertained. Same thing goes with Twitter. Me being funny, which is, you know, I, I like being funny. I, I like, I like you know, I like fooling around, just being nonchalant and just free spirit, right? So, yeah. But then you say this, the shock culture stuff yourself in the sense of, like, you say super polarizing things out there. Like, you just put it out and you're like, here's something. Po-. So, the, that is interesting. And I wonder, like, is it better to be polarizing and be honestly polarizing with the way you word things, or is it better to play like safe? Like, does it make you a know, difference with your brand or? Nobody ever made history playing it safe. You would not 
make history playing it safe. I'm against going with uh, the herd, the group. When people take right, I take left. <laughs> That's just how I've been. When you when everybody takes right, I take left. So even with the with the beat thing, everybody just makes beats every day. They posting beats every day. I'm like, you know what? I don't want to post beats every day. And on top of it, I want to have hooks and songwriters on my beats. So now I'm tapping into a whole new niche of people that the rest are not tapping into. It's like, yo, I need a hit record. I'm a, I will go with Majestic Drama because he knows with he knows uh, what he's doing, right? So I, I just like to go against the group. I like you, to go against the group. Have you always had the mindset of looking for what people aren't doing? And what needs to be done? Like, have you always had that sort of outlook on it? Um, I was blessed with a vision to just, you know, I'm 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 great at marketing. I'm I'm such a marketing guy. I just know how to put products out there and just make it rain. I it's been a natural talent for me because I understand human nature, right? What grabs people is not what they see every day; it's what they don't see every day. Right, they see a black guy that likes Trump. They're like, oh, <laughs> why he likes Trump? But it's like I'm being logical on top of it. Let's be honest. Let's just put the logic behind it. You know, like, come on, the Criminal Justice Reform Act. Trump has signed it into law. What other president has ever done that? You know, no other president has ever done that. What else? Same thing with the HBCUs, the funding. What other president has done that? No. And they try to paint this picture that he's racist, and he's not. He's not a racist. A racist would never do something like that, Aaron. Let's be honest. No, there's, and this is something that drives me nuts right now with what's going on. It just, the whole thing drives me nuts because you either are, or you aren't, and you're interpreted for what you say, like whatever you say. If I say something that's totally not even close to the racist realm, right? People can interpret whatever you want, whatever they want to hear, and turn it into that and immediately attack you for it. You know, it, it just pisses me off that uh, the media and people just try to draw this uh, false narrative about people like Trump, and it's false. I, I, I just don't like it. I don't like it. You know, because at first, at first I was going with the herd, you know, because it's, it's easy to get taken along the ride. Oh, he's this, he's that. And you watching the news and telling you all these things, you start believing it. But then it kind of gets to a point to where it's like too much is too much. What is going on? This can't be true. But then you start seeing the details. It's like, oh, wow. He signed the Criminal Justice Reform Act. Like to me, for a logical person, I think it should have stopped everybody from saying he's racist. Like, oh, wait, wait a minute. This is actually helping more African-Americans than any other. Why don't you explain for everybody what exactly that is? Wait, why what? What exactly the, the Criminal Justice Reform Act is? Man, listen. So pretty much they just uh, 
elevate the harsh uh, punishment on the uh, on the people that have been incarcerated, right? Like let's say the petty crimes like weed possession, marijuana. I mean, look, weed is being legalized everywhere in America, so a lot of people are still incarcerated for those petty crimes. So it kind of helps a lot of African American groups, being that, uh, which is I understand, slavery, like slavery being here, segregation being here. So it kind of put damage on the African American community. And, uh, you know, it's a lot of poor communities within the African American community, right? And it kind of pushes them to do things maybe out of their own character just to survive, right? So passing that law, it helped a lot of black people. And you can't tell me that person is racist. It's not possible. That, and that's the most important thing is like you look at actions to see whether somebody's racist or not. You know, like you see, you can look at actions, yeah. you can look at comment. Like I like to take in the whole picture of everything. But one thing that's so, I mean, it's kind of tough and I don't like want to sound weird, but I am, I'm definitely not like, it's not difficult, but it's like, how does somebody like me say something about these issues, you know, when anything that comes out of my mouth is going to be wrong? Man, listen, I think this is like a situation to where you just have to let the uh, the people of color like me to just speak up. Because for you guys, it's going to be hard. Right now, it's very difficult for anybody of your complexion to speak up. Because... Uh, they they just destroying everybody's life. <laughs> it's like, oh, let's find out where he works. We're gonna call and say he's racist. This is this is incredible, man. This well, this that that's exactly how I've answered the question a lot of times. I mean, I do not like kneeling down. I do not like. I'm a man. You're a man. We're all human beings on this earth. Like, you know, there's that's. It's just not something that. I can do myself and feel good about myself doing it. You know, like there's no reason I don't feel guilty, you know, right. for anything that I've done because it's not there. So, but what I say is like, with some people have asked me, I've never walked a day in their shoes. I never have. I can't ever walk a day in a black person's shoes ever. Like I you can't, know, I can't see things through your eyes. You know, the thing is this, when you walk, through life with a distorted view of the world, you know, you make yourself a victim of every situation. If you feel like everybody's against you, whatever you do, they're against you, then you kind of have a distorted uh, reality of things, right? So a lot of uh, black people in America, when they speak, it's a distorted reality, right? I'm not talking about the people that suffered because of KKK. Like, that's pretty evident of what's going on there, right? But just because the KKK exists doesn't mean that everybody follows the same view, right? For example, there was a year, right? I think it was 2000, um, 2015. I don't know what happened that year. What what year was the Trayvon Martin situation? Oh, like, man. I don't know the ex exact year, but, I mean, I remember the situation, obviously. Yeah, you know, just being in America, as I was saying, in 2015, I got 
taken away with the whole, you know, racism, racism, like, oh, everybody's racist or whatnot. And I got caught up in that bullshit. You know, I was driving in my convertible BMW in Sandy Springs, Georgia, and uh, playing music, and I was pulled over by a police officer. And uh, I was confrontational with the police officer. I was confrontational with him. Let me see your driver's license. I was like, why do you want to see my driver's license? He was like, um, uh, well, you were playing music over... I don't know how many decibels. It was kind of weird to me, right? Over how can you how can you tell the decibels or whatnot, right? But the thing is, is people need to realize that some cops are assholes. It has nothing to do with skin color. They're just assholes, you know? But then I asked to speak to the supervisor. And then he was like, show me your driver's license or I'll arrest you. I was like, no problem. I'll give you my, my driver's license. Just call your supervisor. He's like, okay, sir, I will have to arrest you. I was like, no problem. So in the car, he called the supervisor, but then it's like, it's too late. You already made your decision. And cops, one thing about cops, they don't go against each other. They're very loyal to one another, right? And then, you know, when he was taking me to the county jail, you know, I wasn't talking much. He was talking to me and all. And he, he actually felt bad. He actually felt bad. He was like, Man, man, why, why, why do you do that? You know, like, you just should have given me a license or whatnot, you know? And I was like, I just wanted to know what was the reason why you put me over. So, and then I, I could tell he was a little bit scared, too, because uh, I wasn't behaving like the rest of the population, because a lot of people are very emotional. They do things. They overdo things, you know? And I was just calm. I was very calm. So I educated myself throughout that whole situation. I was able to beat everything. You know, I bonded out. When I went and saw the judge, the judge asked me, what do you want to do? I said, I want to escalate the situation to the state court. You know, not a lot of people know this, <laughs> but you, you just, that's the thing, like, <laughs> Sometimes I feel like I understand the American culture more than than Americans sometimes, which which is weird. Which which is which is weird. So the judge was like, "Oh, because the judge gave me two options." They're like, "Oh, you're guilty or not guilty?" I'm like, "Sir, I would like to escalate the matter to the state court." He was like, "No problem, sir." They escalated to the state court. <laughs> the police officer didn't show up. Everything was dropped, gone. Simple. What I learned from that is that, you know, which is funny because when I was in New York, I was taught this, always cooperate with police officers. Your battle is in court. Don't argue, don't, you know, don't, don't make it a problem for them. They just want an easy day. Cooperate, your, your battle is in court, you know? But if you haven't been taught that, you will always get emotional when you get pulled over by a police officer because you feel like he's being racist or this and that. At the end of the day, we're all humans. Some people have bad days. Some people are assholes sometimes. I'm an asshole sometimes, I'll be honest. I'm an asshole sometimes. We, we just, we just got to be honest. I have bad days. Sometimes I do things out of character. 
it has nothing to do with me being racist or being something else. We're just being human. That's all it is. I think that's a super powerful message right there. Like, I mean, and the part about not being combative, I mean, like I said, I've never walked a day. I've never had, you know, my skin color looked at as being different. I grew up kind of as a minority because I grew up right on the border of Mexico and, you know, the percentage to Hispanics to, you know, white people is like, they far outweigh it. But I grew up like that. I didn't know any different. Like nothing was, nothing was different in my life. You know what I mean? I didn't look at anything differently. Maybe maybe that helped out with the culture thing, but I've never had to worry about, you know, a cop pulling me over. I don't, I don't know what any of that is. So I reserve my judgment on any of it because I have no experience with it at all. But your story right there was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I just feel like this, if you have nothing to hide, you shouldn't worry about police officers pulling you over and things escalated to that level because, I was being confrontational, you know, and honestly, police officers, they don't like that. It don't matter what you look like. <laughs> honestly, when you're confrontational with a police officer, they just hate it. They just become this big asshole, which is funny because um, after he arrested me, he could have went on and just did more damage. But he was like, hey, call one of your friends to come pick up your BMW, you know, and which is funny. I'm not even done. There was a black officer who came. He was like, oh, why would you let him call his friends to come pick up his BMW? You should get his car towed so he he going to have to deal with it later on. And I was in the back of the car, and they were saying this in front of me. So I was like, oh, I see what's going on. They're trying to get me wild up so I can just start doing things so that can happen. You know, so if you if you can be easily manipulated emotionally and you know, he who angers you controls you, right? Oh, man, you just nailed it. You just nailed you know, it. I was like, yo, I was just calm because I was like, whatever happened, happens. It doesn't bother me, you know. I won't have an issue with getting my car out. So whatever it is they want to do. But then the, the police officer was like, nah, we're just going to let we're gonna let him take, you know, we're going to call his friend and tell him, you know, we're going we gonna to let him to come take the car. It's no problem. But you took accountability for your for your action, and oh, that's a lot yeah. of that's a lot of the problem oh, with yeah. both sides. Though, like the you said, cops support their own. Like taking accountability, yeah. like when a cop screws up, taking accountability for that as a police, like as a policeman, policewoman, um, just anybody, the whole group, all both groups taking accountability for the things that they've done and worrying about that and focusing. I mean, if I don't ever take accountability, I hear you talk about victim stuff all the time and I could not agree more. Like if I don't take accountability for my action, I'm never going to dig myself out of whatever hole that I'm in. Yeah. I mean, when I was in high school, I was so annoyed with people just complaining every day. Oh, it's so hot. It's so cold. It's like, okay, summer. Like what is there to complain about? Oh, they just complain and complain. And I never understood that. I was like, why all these kids keep complaining? You know, like, what is it to complain about? Everything is is available for them to just succeed. You know, if you don't succeed in, in America, I just feel like you chose to not succeed in America. Like, it's a choice. America gives you so many options. 
It's really the truth. It's really the truth. I'm, I'm just being honest. If you you have a credit system. You can use the credit to multiply your wealth. You have a banking system, investing system. You're being supported all the way through. What is there to be victims about? You know? And and I was watching the video. It was a video on Twitter of um, this Mexican guy was selling food on the street and the cop came to kind of stop him from doing so and giving him a ticket and taking all his money. And people are getting mad. Oh, he's racist. How is he racist? He's just doing his job. He doesn't have a food. He doesn't have a license, a food license. He doesn't have a license. What is the cop supposed to do? Just let him do that? That's against his job. How is that racism? I don't get it. I just don't see it. Well, how does it, how does a cop get out of that situation then? I mean, once he's made that decision and once that's, that narrative has been put out on this person who was just doing his job, I mean, how does he, how do you think he, I can see on their end where they could struggle to get out of that, that, that situation. I mean, listen, the rules in America are clear cut dry. There are rules. People get mad, oh, why Jeff Bezos doesn't pay any taxes. He played by the rules. That's why he doesn't pay taxes. If you want to do the same, just play by the rules and you won't pay taxes. When you tell them that, they're like, oh, it's not possible, I'm black. I'm like, it has nothing to do with anything. Just play by the rules and it's going to happen, you know? Same thing with... um, uh, Okay, when they wanted the when they wanted the country to be opened up, right? You know, they were marching to the capital with guns, AR rifles, and everything, right? You remember that, right? Yeah. And they were like, "Oh, if you black, they will shoot you." It's not. It's not true. It has. It has happened before. A group of black people playing by the rules, open carry in Michigan State, you know, and they were at the, at, the, at the Capitol, and nothing happened to them. So people always feel like in America that, oh, I'm black, I can't do it, it's not going to work with me. No, if you play by the rules, it should be good. I really like what you said, too, about, like, you know, people who say they can't make it. They can't make it. They can't make. Well, I mean, if you say that over and over again, you got to believe that you can't make it. I mean, it's not. You had to start making beats. Like I know you're saying, like it's kind of easy, but you had to start spending the time making the beats and understanding how it all worked, like what went together, right? Right. So I mean, you had to spend the time on that. You had to put it in. It's not like it just happened out of nowhere. But if you're not willing to put the time into something, of course you're not going to succeed. Yeah, and and the funny thing is, is this right? I was reading, uh, yeah, I was reading this book. A lot of people should read this book. It's called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Right? I'm not sure if you read it. Have you read it? Uh, so my wife read it, and I listened to it on the audiobook. Man, listen, I love that book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. So, in that book, he was telling the story of how he wanted to be a uh, the author. I forgot his name. What was his name again? Oh, shoot. You would ask me that. I got the book right around the corner, too. <laughs> right, right. So so he was just telling the story of how he, he wanted to be a, 
uh, a musician, right? He was learning how to play the guitar in uh, in university. So he had a friend of his who was just naturally good at it, and he was playing the guitar. It was natural for him. But for the author, which I don't know his name, um, he had to force himself to play the guitar every time. He had to force himself to do things. So he went to ask that guy, how do you do it? How do you play the guitar? How do you get so good at it? The guy was like, I don't know. I just do it. It's just, it's just natural for me. So some things are natural for some people. For others, it's not natural. All right? So I just feel like if it's not natural, then just let it be. Just find a new route where you're good at. And that's why the author became an author. I forgot his name, like I said. <laughs> you know, so, so now he's an author, right? So it's, it, it, it worked out for him. So if it's not natural, don't do it. Like, so that's why, natural. Yeah, that's why I was about to say, for you, making beats is natural. Yeah, it's just natural. Some people be like, oh, you're working really hard. And which is, it's easy for me. It's easy. Somebody else could see it as, yo, this is very difficult. But it's easy for me. It's just natural for me. What kind of, like, I mean, I know we've talked about a ton of stuff on here, but what kind of tips would you, like, anybody's trying to start any sort of business, like, where was where would be the first place he would start? It's another book that I read by uh, Scott Adams called... Uh, how to lose at everything and win big, right? And in the book, what he was saying was, it's okay to try multiple things and fail. It's okay. You fail at everything. You learn from your failures. You put everything together. You start a whole new journey, you know? Uh, so if you know what you want for sure, 100%, then go for it. If you don't know what you want to do, then try a little bit of everything and see how things go. If you fail at it, it's okay. It's okay to fail. It's okay to fail. Try something else. You fail again, try again. You know, and then you, you will get it. You will get it. You, you have to be stubborn. You have to be stubborn. And that's an, another thing about, like, your whole encompassing story that I like about, like, not just the, the trying everything, but, like, your – to kind of piggyback on that is your dad comes over here and like you said at 47, no, like you're moving to a totally different country. So you don't have friends, you don't have family, you don't have, there's nothing here, but you're making your own way. And he totally changed his life at the age of 47. Yeah. It's incredible. man. <laughs> it, it really is. So like the, the excuse too, and I used to, it used to, that used to drive me nuts or like, I couldn't understand it when people would say, I'm too old to try to go do something. My dad did something similar. He went until his late forties and then he decided, I just want to do something different. Went back to school, got it and did that thing. Like he became an administrator at nursing homes just because he wanted to try it. Like he was like, I want to try it. Now he's like, Oh, I didn't like moving around so much, you know, and changing jobs like that. So I, Gonna go do something else later on in life. Yeah. He decides to change again. So, like, I see my dad doing it, and I go, "That's an example of somebody who didn't listen to anybody who said he was too old to do anything." Yeah, I mean, listen, I don't even listen to my dad when he talks to me about certain things, because like he tells me his own rules and regulations. I'm like, Dad, I'm not like you. Like, we we different people. 
You know, like he tells me, oh, you need to do this. You need to do that. You need to do this. You need to do that. I'm like, dad, the only thing I need to do is to be myself. You know, because uh, uh, for him to end up where he's at, he was being himself at all times. You know, it's important to let kids just be themselves and to just become the person that they were meant to be. You know, it's easy to just have opinion all the time. It's easy to have opinions. You know, everybody has opinions in life, right? But what's important for kids to have is, you know, as a parent, just give your kids all the tools they need to succeed in life, right? Which is giving them knowledge that they may not have, right? Teaching them about, let's say, the American system and how it works, you know? Um, a lot of people that come from good families, for example, from a very young age, they put their kids on their own credit card as an authorized user. And that gives them good credits when they go on later on, right? 700 credits, so on, because they are there as an authorized user, right? Now, people that just don't understand that, they can't give that to their kids because they don't understand how the credit system works in America, right? I didn't understand what you just said. I didn't know that. You didn't know that. So if you put somebody as an authorized user to your credit card, they're feeding off your credit history. So by consequence, they end up with a, like a 700-something score. You see? So it's like, that's the funny thing. I understand the American system more than Americans. That's you just you just like use the rules against them pretty much. No, I I just I know the I know the rules in America. I know how things work, and I just use it to win. Yeah, but that that just proves the rule. The rules gave you an advantage because you took the time to pay attention to them. Yeah, I I, I pay attention to America, so. I, I pay attention. I pay attention. That, that's how you win. You have to pay attention. You have to pay attention. So everything is given in America. You can succeed. You can do it. You you got to believe it. That's awesome. Man, this has been an absolute blast, Prama. Like, I've had – this is so much fun. Hey, Aaron, um, I, 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 I want to know something about you. What what do you do beside uh, the, 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 the podcast? Ah, so I work for a, uh, it's like a contractor for in the oil and gas industry. We take care of the vegetation and stuff for them. And, um, I drive all over the place. I work like, like 10, 10 hour days or so, 12 hour days. And then this is my little passion project, man. I like, I love it. If I could do this for a living, I would guaranteed. That's, that's awesome. Cause, cause in Texas, it's a lot of oil, oil fields and, you know, yeah. Well, I, I grew up in the food service, like doing food service stuff like Benny Keith, Cisco. Um, right. My grandpa started one in 56 and, uh-huh. you know, built it up to where it's pretty big. And we were always business owners. And I grew up as like, you know, with that kind of work ethic um, taught from my grandpa, where it was just, you know, you do everything in the company. And, and so business owners and people, entrepreneurs fascinate me because people think it's so easy from the outside and it's not. It's so not easy. Like when they 
when it's good, it's great, but you take all the bad. Like nobody else takes any of the bad. You take it all. If there's a mistake that happens, it's on you. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a lifetime of work. You just can't give up. It's, it's not easy. It's not easy, to be honest. Yeah. So, yeah. so I, I happened into this job, and, uh, man, it's it's been awesome. I mean, it's it's actually like this has been the best move. I met my now wife uh, here, and you know, it's just I can't tell you how like life took all these crazy turns, and I ended yeah. up in this spot in the happiest time that I've ever been. Talking to you on a podcast, you know, people, yeah. it's crazy. Now you 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 know one thing I like about you, you seem such a happy person. I just love I love talking to happy people. You just, you just a happy person. Like, I, I just love it. Positive energy. You know, I wish you all the best. You know, what to to your whole, you know, for your career as a podcaster, or uh, you know, to your contract work. You know, I I just wish you all the best, Aaron. You 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 a good person, to be honest. So. Hey, thanks, man. I feel the same way about you. It's Thank awesome. You, Thank you. All right, well, let everybody know where they can find you. uh, If they want to go check out your beats and the music you've made, find out a list, whatever information you can have, let everybody know about that stuff. Hey, to find me on all social networks is at Majestic Drama. So that's M-A-J-E-S-T-I-C-D-R-A-M-A. You can find me everywhere on the web at Majestic Drama. Uh, for my website is majestic drama uh dot com. For my email is majesticdramabeats at gmail dot com. I like to stay consistent with everything. It's marketing purposes, right? <laughs> <laughs> easy, easy, man. Easy, dude. I can't like. I'm so appreciative. You were saying. I feel. I feel like you are such a positive person with such an honest outlook, and that's why like. I'm so happy to have you. This is one of my favorite episodes. I really liked it a lot. Hey, thank you so much, Aaron. I'm I'm happy to be here with you. It's been a pleasure, Ramon. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the podcast. Thank you to Drama for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Had a blast. Don't forget to support all of those local businesses and brands that you believe in. And until the next episode, see ya.